welcome back to another exciting episode of Catch-Ups in My Kitchen with me, Georgia Simmons, founder of Greedy Vegan. This week we are joined by Joe Maruzzi, founder of Please, the brand famously known for their show-stopping cheesecakes. Please Cakes literally blew up overnight, while in 2017, six Instagram pictures taken on an iPhone and a reshare of a post by Joe Wicks turned painter and decorator Joe Maruzzi's life upside down and his passion turned into a brand although the please cakes were gorgeous on the eye and irresistible to taste they were a nightmare to distribute across the country which led joe to the freeze cakes idea which after three years of planning and development is now finally stocked in co-op a lot has happened between 2017 to now and i am so excited for you to hear joe's story and journey with the ups and the downs and everything in between i really hope you enjoy the episode Joe, so great to have you here. Thank you so much for making the trek here. I know it's a bit far sometimes, so thank you so much for coming. No problem. So to start with, can you give us a quick elevator pitch on who you are and what you do? Okay, so so my name's Joe Maruzzi. I um, well, originally I was a painter and decorator. Had a passion for food, um, and I loved being creative really being creative and I kind of combined the two a couple of years ago back in 2017 and um, set up this Instagram account called Please Cakes and it kind of spiraled from there and it was all around the cheesecake my dad made this cheesecake one day and I started experimenting with cheesecakes and combination flavor combinations and it just um, started I brought them into site for the boys went on the the paint and decorating site got feedback went, went home carried on practicing and I thought I it got to a point where I thought I could make a bit of extra money on the side of my painting business and the rest is history. Amazing we're gonna go and dig into more about that in a minute but before we do we have a quick fire round about all things food so sweet or savoury? Oh you got me straight away. I know um, I should say sweet but actually savoury. Yeah <laughs> I feel like I'm probably savoury. Juicy burger or overloaded salad? Burger. Crisps or popcorn? crisps cook in or eat out eat out and what is your favorite delivery probably a pizza yeah good one probably a pizza yeah anywhere in particular um all i've got around me is pizza express that's good or like a like the the chains so i try to go for pizza express but yeah pizza express is a good one there's a few actually around where i work actually pizza project like the like the independents that I, i prefer if i can get my hands on so yeah pizza is a good one yeah Okay, so going back to your journey from painter, decorator to please cakes. So am I right in saying you had your own decorating, painting, decorating business? Mm -hmm. So you've been quite entrepreneurial from kind of like the start. So you had this business and then you wanted to make some money on the side doing the the please cakes, but then it kind of really, really hit off with the please cakes. Can you kind of explain that kind of moment in a bit more detail? So my dad made a cheesecake. It was back in 2015. Made a cheesecake at home. It was rubbish. It wasn't very good at all. I then proceeded to make a cheesecake. So that's where the cheesecake element came from. It wasn't that I was super passionate about cheesecake specifically, mm-hmm. but I started making them. It was an easy entry into um, being creative with the food. You know, with with a no baked cheesecake, it's, there was no um, use of oven, or like you could be you could be quite flexible with the measurements and things like that. So I practiced. And I was making them over a two-year period. Um, no intention to turn it into a business at all. I just loved being creative with food. Like I was, I've been brought up around food. My dad's Italian. I think there was that 
there was that um, b- b- good quality produce that was really sort of in, sort of installed in me from a young age, like fresh pasta sauces, never mm. from a jar and things like that. Um, but anyway, I was practicing with these cheesecakes and experiment with the flavors, and I would bring them, and I, and, I, and it got to a point um, of 2016, December 2016. I thought the cakes were okay. I thought they started to look okay back then, and actually they were still pretty rubbish. I didn't have a recipe as such. I didn't have any structure to what I was doing or, or processes or operating procedures. I was still operating at my parents' kitchen. And I was using just random, I would go, I'd go to the supermarket to get the ingredients. But I, I knew at that point I, I could probably earn a little bit of money on the side of, of the business. You know, it was it was something I just wanted, I wanted to create something, a little side hustle. And actually that, it was the action taking that I speak about quite a lot. You know, action taking is so key. It was so key for me at that stage. I got I had a notepad which I still got on my desk in my office in the kitchen um, and I was I was scribbling I was doodling and the word please cakes kept kept coming up you know I don't know why just cheesecakes please cakes had a ring to it mm. that was the only word that was the only name I had for it I didn't have any other like variations of that and I then started building this really basic business plan of like how I could turn it how, how I can monetize it so I had like the the how I would serve the cheesecakes in slices I had the build your own cheesecake bar back then, which we took to events, uh, like eventually. I had um, social media. I had no experience in social media at all. I had a I had a personal Instagram account, but I didn't have any experience running a business through social media. Um, but I had this basic plan, and that was in December of 2016. On January the 3rd of 2017, I set up the Instagram account. So I designed the logo on, a, on an app called Canva, um, and... Um, posted six photos of of cheesecakes that I'd made at my parents' kitchen and taken using my phone in the, in the garden. So it was really basic, didn't have any sort of intention to send it to a business or I didn't have an email account or a, or a bank account or website or anything like that. It was just DM me if you want an order. Yeah. And it, it was... <sighs> three days later one of my friends Joe Wicks he, sh- he shared it on his page and, and it was it's one of those moments that you like it wasn't, wasn't planned I didn't ask him it was it was very natural back then you could grow very organic organically on, on, on social media and it just it just went viral overnight you know there was this instant transition for me so I was painting literally one day and then dec- and, and in this in this in this uh, situation the next day you know li- literally it was so instant um and I knew I had to act upon it. I knew there was an opportunity there because I had a following. There was a following instantly, or whatever it was. Thousands of people were following the page. And I had to um, start planning, start surrounding myself with people in the industry, learn. I mean, it was all well and good being exposed to a lot of people and have a following. And, and But actually, I was just a painter and decorator. Mm. Zero, zero experience in the food industry at all. So going back to like I said, I didn't have any recipes, didn't have any health and safety, didn't have a facility, didn't have didn't have packaging, didn't have suppliers, didn't have anything in place. So like I've got this business, this instant business as well. It wasn't like I'd been building up to it. Yes, I'd been making the, the products, but actually the products over the last two years weren't that good. Like yeah. they were kind of self-taught. So um, I was I, I had this business, but I knew I had to act upon it, and I, and I did. I just I just immersed myself in this situation for the next six seven years you know which I've been doing and I've I've, I've done that for I've, I've always I've, I've never given up and there's been some really tough moments but that first year that transition was so exciting it was so um 
what's the word? Uh, it, it, it kept me going, you know, it kept me fired up. It, it was it was fueling the opportunity for me because I could see things happening. Things were happening very quickly and that just kept me sort of interested in, in the project. You know, if it, if it wasn't, if there wasn't as much interest in the, in the business or the product, I probably maybe might have given up. I'm yeah. not sure. I mean, it's like an adrenaline rush, I yeah. guess, constantly. Yeah. And it's kind of scary as well. Like suddenly you've got this overnight success story or situation or moment and it's like, oh my gosh, actually what you're seeing is kind of like very different to the reality of my current situation like you're kind of yeah. like a swan where you're like gliding but like under oh, the absolutely. water you're like oh my god what, what do I do so what do you do and how do you make the decision to stop being the painter and decorator and go into the cheesecake because it's quite a scary decision to make because mm. you know you've got one business and then something's happening and how do you make that decision because for some people they might be umming and ahhing, umming and ahhing, trying to weigh it up, weigh it up. But you seem to have made it quite like it was a no-brainer. Is that kind of how it was? I think the naivety really helped. Mm-hmm. I think if I had been trained and went to pastry school and did all this, I would have been much more apprehensive, or it'd have been a much slower process. Yeah. Because I had, I was like, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. I'm just going to go for it, kind of thing. I think that really helped. But I had so my business partner Brendan we had the business to get the painting business. So he, that kind of like ticked over. Fine. So I, I left that immediately. He, he kind of kept things going a little bit, but then jumped on as well. We then folded that company. So it was just, we both went in. At oh, the time, wow. at the time I didn't have, I didn't have anything. So I did, oh, I, I, had, I had my I had my partner, my, my girlfriend, but I didn't have a baby. But he had like th- two or three kids at the time as well. So he had, he, his risk was, was high. He had a mortgage and everything. I didn't, so. I, d- I don't. I don't honestly know what what the the reason was, the why we thought this was going to work. Like, on paper, this shouldn't work. Like, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. two painters and decorators trying to grow a cheesecake business with no facilities, no procedures, nothing, no supplies, no experience. On paper, this should not work mm. at all, at all. So, naivety played a massive part in this. I think. I think, but because of, and we'll go into this, I suppose, like because of things like social media. It exposed the the brand and the business to people that were interested in in the business. So within two weeks, we had a guy uh, called Ian Campbell who came on board um, based on the fact that his daughters had seen us on social media, and he was the ex production manager of Greg's Bakery. So he was just being made redundant, like the, the his bakery had moved, so he, he he had no job. He was quite local to us. He jumped on board. So immediately we had someone who knew production, who knew health and safety, who knew supply chain, all these different things helped us straight away. Wow. So it was these these sort of little things that really helped us, uh, Sam, who's now operations director and a shareholder, approached me two weeks in. So I started, this. people started to like become attracted to the business and the brand because of social media um, and that supported it, I suppose. I think if I was on my own, it would have been a bit harder, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was so exciting at the start. The first year was just a complete blur. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, one of my questions, you kind of summed up really well, but one of my questions was kind of the power of social media because although it's still really powerful now, it is different. <clears throat> yeah. And you kind of were in there at the, the perfect time, like everything kind of aligned in that sense mm. where, you know, it was really quick to go, or not quick, but easier, should I say, to go viral. Obviously, you've still got to make a really good product picture video whatever it is you're mm. creating um but yeah I guess can you highlight a bit more about the power of social media for you I mean obviously 
it was the the catalyst to what kind of happened mm. but how else has it kind of changed what please cakes is well back then so instagram was the first page or the, or the first platform that we launched on and like you say you could grow organically so we were we were gaining followers naturally each week ten thousand followers 10 like it was quite a quick progress um but it's changed massively. I think that's. I think there was the, obviously the acquisition from Facebook, Instagram that changed it, and it was. I think they've really screwed up personally. Mm-hmm. I think. I think each platform gets screwed up at some point. TikTok now is really struggling for organic growth. Yeah. But I think yeah, just time. We timed that quite well. It, it built community. We had a product that was quite visual. I think that's why it did quite well. There was no algorithm you have to use reels or you have to use you have to post it with music or you have to it, there was a bit of hashtag use but other than that you could post a good quality photo and it would get engagement you know i always i always still believe good content will always be found mm. really still believe that it's hard to stand out though in terms of good content a lot of people are creating good content there's a lot of creators there's more creators now in the social media world um but that built us, us community you know we, we launched with a direct consumer business so we were selling these products direct to consumer which actually in hindsight is completely like ludicrous it's a temperature controlled product started with the large cakes that are very delicate couldn't get them across the country needed temperature controlled distribution and a complete nightmare it's just not completely not scalable basically yeah. yes we could have done in the local area and we could have built that but we had this following outside of our local area across the uk that we wanted to supply mm-hmm um, and we couldn't. So it's always been an ambition to grow the the, the, the brand. Um, and so, yeah, social media has played an incredible part in that. But we've never been able to fulfill those, that awe and, and demand. I've also been like, with social media, you've got to like, keep your eye on like emerging platforms like TikTok. And I know that's becoming very prevalent now. A lot, a lot of people are talking about TikTok and how, how you can utilise it. Mm. But again, that's a changing platform. And I think it's just timing, you know, and I think it's how... it's all, authenticity you know like what that's yeah. really key for us and I think what we've done slightly differently is as a brand we're a little bit of a hybrid so we're not we don't just I didn't just post product on there all the time and it wasn't just product led it was storytelling mm. it was sharing our journey a little bit being transparent with the highs and the lows and uh, I think that really helped you know we're, we're I think that's becoming more popular these days as well and I, did, I spoke to someone a few weeks ago about it about the influencer has uh, that that the the traditional influencers changed yeah. or become a very saturated market and actually a lot of people are using business influencers um to promote their brand or product or service because so of authenticity you know yeah that's so true <clears throat> i mean i followed you guys for a while and i thinking about my journey to you guys it was definitely visual first yeah i was like okay i've seen this product this looks incredible follow and then I get to know mm. you really well through social media like you've mm. always been very authentic and told the story and mm. before I before I even realized I now know kind of like everything about how you've got to where you are and I'm like oh wow and then you become like a part of the brand in a way yeah um so you're so right about like authenticity and, and storytelling mm. and you mentioned visual product and that's kind of one of my questions is you say like, you know, you never really made a cheesecake before, but you're not making normal cheesecakes. Like I was showing my friend the other day, cause I was like, oh, I've got Joe coming on from Please Cakes. They're like, remind me, I showed them. She's like, oh, I know the one. And it's just such a amazing visual product. Mm. And I mean, that is so creative. So although it's a cheesecake, it's not an ordinary cheesecake. So how did you get to creating these like show stopping toppings? Like, 
What was the cause of that? I think I saw there was obviously the big overloaded like sponge cakes that you could get. Um, and I thought cheesecakes, because I was making them, my dad made one and whatnot. But there was it was a quite a generic dessert, you know, it, it would have come <clears throat> with no toppings, in slices, boring flavours. And looking back, like I, I overloaded it with brands, like with Cadbury's and other brands on there. And I, like the, the, there was no brand, please cake branded on the actual product. But if you looked at it, you'd know it's a please cake, which is kind of weird. Yeah. So it was a, it was just about creating something so visual, the high, I don't know how, there was a style to it, mm. which we, we I kind of taught people that came on board. Um, and yeah, that it was that visual, that sort of impact that you wouldn't normally think about or, or relate to a cheesecake. So. No, 100%. It's so incredible. It's kind of like a grazing board on a cheesecake. Like It's two desserts. It is. Like yeah. You start, I had... Um, grape and fig on here we were speaking about their grazing boards and like there's an art to creating the grazing board where you kind of go I think it's the biggest thing at the outside to kind of create the wall and you go in because mm. I feel like with you guys it's the biggest thing in the middle and then you work your way out but I mean I don't know I didn't yeah know it was like it was like foundation so you use the biggest things first create like this structure and then you kind of turn the cake a little bit and like slot a little bit in there and you keep looking for the gaps and it was it was a case of like if, if you think there's too much chocolate on there there's probably not enough so we just kept kind of going Amazing. and it kind of built up and it was just yeah it was, it, they were great for like celebrations they were great centerpieces Definitely. got people talking and yeah i love it so this kind of leads me nicely onto like your passion for food so on this podcast i always talk about food is more than just food like it's just mm. so much more than that like you say it gets people talking and you come from an italian family where food is like a massive 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 part of like culture and family and yeah. so talk a bit about your passion for food and like what food kind of means to you because clearly it's your business but also a passion and part of your life i just i'm, I'm a, just a foodie i love food it, like like you say it's an experience it makes you a feeling that it gives you you know so and it's the process of making food as well you know I think that's something that's been installed from a young age like I said before um we'd never have a pasta sauce out of a jar it was always made from the raw ingredients and I love that process and um yeah from from the Italian side of things you know we've got fam a lot of family out there and there was um I'd witnessed like the processes of them uh, producing food in various forms so they there was a lot that's like a very um a farming area so there was their you know, vineyards they'd make their own wine and they'd grow their own vegetables and I was always part of that as a as a kid so they'd go and farm and do all sorts of things in the fields and stuff like that and so maybe witnessing that from from the raw ingredients to the plate um was was uh valuable to me I think it was quite valuable to me in terms of my experience with food or connection with food it wasn't always just go and buy it from supermarket you know there was that there was a, a more uh, primitive experience with food I think and so always love good quality food the experience trying new foods it's it's a, it's a yeah not sure it's just but it's just the way the way I've been brought up I suppose it's the people that I've been around um, and I love being creative you know I think that that, that was the combination that was the where it's kind of clicked for me because Love during school, it, I wasn't very academic. Like I was okay, I suppose, but I loved art. I love music. I love those sort of creative spaces. Mm. And I think coupling that with food just sort of really helped with what I do now. You know, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> food is such a good tool to be creative. Like sometimes when people think of a creative, they think art, maybe fashion. Yeah. But food is such a creative one as well. And sometimes oh, I feel like it doesn't get looked on in that way. Yeah. Um. 
So going back to the early days of Please Cakes, you kind of mentioned like distribution and how fragile they were. And I want to touch on this because me doing kind of greedy vegan and sending out chilled products, although slightly different to your case because yours are a lot more fragile, I've also had moments where I'm just like, this is impossible. So can you share a bit about those early days, sending out the cheesecakes and how how you overcome that and were like, okay, our brand and products loved, but we can't get it there. So now what do we do? And can you explain how you then pivoted to kind of... Yeah, I, well, I, I kind of knew earlier on that the product, the, the large cakes were too delicate, obviously. So they were great for, for like celebrations and anniversaries and weddings and things like that. But I had to di- diversify the product range. So mini cheesecakes came on board. Freeze cakes was an idea. Um, truffles, we had like the cheesecake truffles and things like that. Early on, we started diversifying. Um, and then distrib- distribution, direct to consumer. For food that requires temperature controlled um, delivery is, I think, a challenging business model. I think I think there's other routes if you want to scale it that are far better. So what we did do, what I I always say though, that direct to consumer model at the start really built community. You know, if I if I'd have turned up with a retail ready product, I don't think I would have built the community on social media that we've got today. Mm. So build that community, and the journey is obviously we've been going about six years now. COVID hit. So we were, before COVID, we was, I was trying to outsource production. Production, again, for us is, I had these two avenues I could have gone down, manufacturing and scaled that up, which would have cost millions and very high risk, or gone down, down brand and MPD. Um, that was always the plan, to go down brand and MPD, drive social media, work with part, third party manufacturers to help support that, the process. Um, but then COVID hit and we had, everything got put on hold. So we're, like we're three years in or, or whatever it is and we're trying to figure out how we scale. So we just had to sit basically for the two year period with COVID and manufacture in house and still work with and build relationships with manufacturers until the time's right that we can outsource. Um, and that's been, we've always, always known that retail, hopefully, we've only recently just launched, is the right way for us because mm-hmm. direct to consumer requires this, complex setup with dry ice and and boxes and and courier costs and various other things that are quite costly so you can't just buy one tub of freeze cakes you have to buy three tubs of freeze cakes making the cost to consumer 20 quid plus delivery looking at 30 quid you're getting up for 30 quid so it's really inaccessible as a price point uh which is off-putting and cuts our revenue potential right down massively um going into retail opens up the 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 price point and the demographic and the accessibility for the product. So I believe this is the way this is the way we go, you know, and, and to outsource has also been a really challenging challenging process, you know. Trying to find the right partner without and going to mass scale without compromising quality has been um, very challenging. I, I, it's been hard to find a manufacturer, and I've been to many manufacturers now who who can um, like an ice cream manufacturer could make could, could pot the product but couldn't make it and dessert could could make it but couldn't pot it. So that's been a process in itself to try and find a partner who believe in it. And we found a great team at Galana, a nice fresh. There's a husband and wife team who uh, own this, this, this factory in Belgium, which is just immaculate. It's just such a, yes, it's automated. Yes, it's, but it's, they're so passionate about what they do. It's similar to us. They, they believe in the product. They've invested um, a lot of time and money into a bespoke production line for, for, the, for the product as well. So it's just, I suppose, identifying what your product is 
in terms of how, how it scales and I always believe that food is, is complex to scale direct to consumer unless it's ambient yes you've got some ambient um, brands out there that can scale but again it's still costly it's not like super accessible but it depends what you want no 100% I mean it has really been such a journey and I can imagine you know when you're sending out the original police cakes and they're just you, customers are messaging you saying oh it's like mushed and it's smashed yeah. up and oh, it's, God, yeah. it's like really really devastating you're like oh my god like we want you to have the experience and we just put all that effort in so this makes complete sense but it's amazing how long it takes yeah so how long has it taken so obviously you've just launched into co-op, co-op yeah yeah which is amazing yeah and um but how long has it taken from an original idea of freeze cakes to now so I've still got the picture. It was a, in March of 2017. I, create, I we were freezing our cakes for like the, so they were safe in distribution. And I I thought oh they, I tried one one day and it tasted quite good. So the original idea was a little chalk ice covered in like enrobed in chocolate. That was the concept of like frozen cheesecake freeze cakes. Um, and got shelved for a number of years because of the cakes took off and we were busy with other things and events. And came back in March 2020 2020 I think it was around lockdown, lock, lockdown or just before lockdown we d- we decided to sort of go back into the idea and start like designing the tubs start developing the product to make it scoopable because it's not a case of just putting cheesecake in a tub yeah. you've got to make it scoopable and there was various sort of um, development processes that we had to go through to get to a point Pre- did a pre-launch in May of 2020 did a did, then sent the product out in maybe July August time of that year and it's taken since then, so maybe three years. Crazy. So yeah, to find a manufacturer, the right manufacturer. I've been to many manufacturers now, and, and some have gone under because of COVID, like big, huge companies. And and then to to build that, to develop the product to get. So again, the process of taking a very handmade product to a very automated, mass-produced product is again very complex because it's got to go through machinery and it's got to be a certain viscosity and it's got a various various sort of um different processes that you have to do to get it into that pot definitely so, and also you're yeah. based on quality as a brand like yeah. everyone knows you for being like incredible to look at to taste like mm. everything and you obviously want to keep that reputation going so when you're looking at manufacturers you're also thinking oh my gosh we need to make sure that our yeah. core kind of like values are like well, that was key that. for us you know like quality we didn't want to compromise on you know the product has changed slightly only because there are certain capabilities to the machine so the way it's built up inside is slightly different but actually like the quality i think is improved we've we've cleaned the ingredient deck up a little bit um it's yeah it's it, that was a very that was one of the main focuses is quality definitely yeah. i actually saw a video when you received all the pots and then you had the lid and like the lid was different to the color and oh like that must have been obviously it was a, was it a sample that, lid or something like it wasn't it was yeah it was a sample lid and like this is all done direct to consumer so we did produce the product in-house obviously until last year just end of last year but yeah we, we yeah thirty thousand pots came in and we, it was sample pot and we a sample lid and we thought it wasn't the right color to the pot i mean we can were like, you oh my god if you had thirty thousand pots with different lid colors to base colors like that is just terrifying that's just one that's just one one of many things that have like yeah i can yeah, imagine been challenging along the way so so what flavors have you launched with we've launched with the, the core flavors so the original flavors that it was a it's a double chocolate it's lemon and raspberry and it's butterscotch and caramel so they were the original flavors that we launched with that have relaunched again and we've obviously going to introduce new flavors but yeah 
Yeah. Amazing. This is just so exciting. So <clears throat> with the whirlwind of Please Cakes, I mean, you've had... I mean, we haven't even touched on the fact that you made one for the Queen, like you've been on TV with Holly and Phil and made them, like it's been a massive whirlwind. How has it been for you? Like, how have you been throughout the process? It's been, honestly, it's been the most, challenge, most challenging six years mentally of my life. It's been, there's been so much pressure. I, um, <clears throat> it's, yeah, it's, 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 I was doing like 22 hours a day sometimes. The stress, especially of, the, the, we grew the team in-house. We were manufacturing, we were doing everything in-house. We I started having to manage people, so we went up to about 30 people staff. So many different personalities, very complex, very stressful. Uh, small startup business, so the stress is outside of just managing people, of cash flow, of... Um, we, we need, we need, we've nearly like lost the business like load, many times, you know, just because of cash flow, and that's what... I, I know that's very very common in a lot of small businesses and and the the percentage of us of small businesses making it to the first five years is very small and then beyond that it's even smaller but yeah I ended up in hospital I think last year with panic attacks like yeah it was it was it was super stressful and overwhelming at some points you know things I don't generally put on social media like well I'm not ready to put on social media maybe Mm. just yet but yeah like it's pushed me to the limits like my painting and decorating was tough it was challenging it was stressful it was hard work but this is a combination of everything all the time it's the it's the 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 broken sleep the not being able to switch off the yeah the stresses of money not being able to pay people's wages sometimes um I mean I've been through it which but these these are the formative years that I think are really key the 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 years that shape the future you know definitely definitely I mean I saw a post that you put up on social media and I know you said you you haven't shared a lot of it but I wanted to mention it because I saw this I remember looking at it for ages and thinking oh my gosh it was said overworked stressed eating rubbish excessive alcohol zero exercise and bad sleep Mm. and I just thought oh my god like that just really highlights the reality of what you've created but like how intense it is yeah and when you say the bit that stood out for me was excessive alcohol yeah I was like did that mean that you was it was so stressful that you probably found yourself like escaping to having some drinks just to like chill exactly yeah and then just kind of got on top of you exactly that and I think there's always been an element especially since I've started this business of trying to find escapism from it Mm. Uh, it's just yeah there's just it's that it's it's really hard to switch off you know or to escape and yes you can do you can there's certain things you can do and and that's probably something that I need to work on personally as a personal thing to 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 manage these stressful situations and environments Mm. but I think a lot a lot of people have struggled a lot of people do you know like I think whether it's business related or personal relationship related or whatever it is, I think trying to find escapism and, and comfort and, and calm mm. is quite hard sometimes, you know? Definitely, definitely. And how, I mean, you mentioned that you were in hospital last year. How have you, <clears throat> or what are you doing maybe is a better way of putting it to, like what are you implementing to try and make it more manageable and less intense all the time? Is there anything you're doing? Yeah, I think... From I and I, again, I kind of yo-yo with this. <clears throat> so I go like diet is really key for me. Like I'm I'm a big believer in balance. You know, balance mm. for me is a really big thing. So 
not going to the extremities of. <clears throat> so having a really good diet, having a treat now and again, but but as a, as a whole, really putting good stuff into my body, drinking a lot of water, trying to drink more water. I don't drink enough water some days, and then exercise mm-hmm. when I can. I, I try and do it as much as I can. That is such a big thing for me. You know, as soon as I do a bit of exercise, and I come out of the gym, I feel so much better. Yeah, it's such a such, and it's it's always that it's the age old saying of like it's the motivation trying to get there is always the hard part. Mm-hmm. But once I've done exercise, I feel great. Definitely. So those sort of things, that those those exercise, good food, water, not drinking as much alcohol, all that sort of stuff is is key. Yeah, and I feel so much more productive. I feel much more clear. I feel so much more energized. Yeah, it's kind of know? like the basic principles in a way. And I feel like sometimes people try and go to the extreme and like, right, I need to meditate and I need to journal. Mm. I'm like I can't do all this. Like no. it's just too much, too much. But like the the basic principles of like eat good food, drink lots of water, yeah. exercise. And on the topic of exercise, I in the week, definitely Monday to Friday, I can't like start the day without doing exercise, which yeah. sounds really crazy. But what I found is if I just like get up and go, I haven't even got time to think. Yeah to like tell myself not to do it so I'm in the gym before I've probably even woken up yeah. and that way I'm like oh I'm here now I may as well just yeah. do it um, do you know what I struggle with recently though is with, with that because I, I love training in the morning is having a baby yeah that's knocked me for six a little bit and that's been another stress on top of everything so um, she's great but she's she's incredibly hard work and I think again that's another situation that I've, I'm still learning to deal with you know how to because it's you can't escape it again it's a a situation you can't escape so you've got this eight month old baby now nearly nine month old who's never slept doesn't sleep so sleep is sleep is broken getting really bad sleep sleeping on the sofa partner's not sleeping at all that like that you know what i mean it's it's, it's, it's trying to like then trying to adapt to a new situation on top of the stress of business as well um and the sleep is probably i didn't mention before actually but it's probably it's, and it's talked about even more, isn't it, recently, how important getting good sleep is. Yeah, that uh, is really yeah, challenging. Yeah. Because you've kind of now got two babies. You've got Please Cakes and you've got yeah. your daughter, which is, yeah, that's really hard. And they both have different needs at different times of the day. And it's like you're trying to be there for both all the time. Mm. Is, you, yeah, I, th- I thought having a, I thought because I've had the business and it was the business is being tough and challenging, like really testing. I thought having a baby is going to be a breeze. Yeah, <laughs> it's so far from it. <laughs> oh god, it is honestly. It's one of the, it's, it's so it's again so challenging. Mm, so 100%. challenging. I can I can only imagine. Like that's just really really intense. And I guess you'd have thought that you know, Police Cakes has give, presented you with so many challenges yeah. that you're so versatile now that you can write quick think, overcome that one, overcome this one. Whereas, yeah, having a daughter will be fine. But actually, it's probably just a whole different... Yeah, it's a new set of challenges. Set of challenges, which really is... Really complex. ...testing. Um, so I want to touch on vegan plant-based mm-hmm. because obviously this is like a growing term trend. I actually think it's not a trend. It's more of something that's going to stay. Mm. Um how firstly two sides to the question what have you personally implemented or if you have or haven't in your own diet to change things cut back on things or and is there anything that you're going to implement in the please cake freeze cake brand and business um we have launched a plant base before um and it w- it was a range but then uh it wasn't it wasn't super popular but it was again just lack of education or lack of uh, resources to do the development on on that side of things. Mm. It's back in development now for freeze cakes. Cool. 
plant based. Yeah, it's it's again again it's a, a an area that's it, it does interest me. And what I didn't want to do, I didn't want to just introduce a token plant based range. That's no. what, just a ticker box. I think for us, it's a it's a combination of of trying to create a, a range that's incredible, that's plant based rather than just a tick in a box. So it is in development. I think for me personally. Um, I try and I'm conscious more conscious now I think mm. and I try and eat sustainably or from a sustainable source I think that's more key again trying to really sort of focus around balance um, and and try not to eat ultra processed or things that are uh, an unsustainably m- produced like an unsustainable scale do you know what I mean um so yeah it's it's a range it's an interesting area I think it is a growing market Mm. um and I think yeah I don't don't think it's going anywhere as such no I agree I think it's really interesting that you want to kind of make the plant-based product as as good as as good yeah because I feel like one brand that came to mind I don't normally talk about like talk badly about other brands but this is okay so Cadbury's obviously is an incredible brand um, but they launched their um, plant bar, which was definitely a bit of a box ticker. I think they felt like yeah. they kind of had to do it. Yeah, and do. I just don't think it, it's not Cadbury. Like it's yeah. not the amazing taste of Cadbury. It's just not as good. I think that's just an example of how, you know, you want your plant-based product when, once it's out there just to be as good that those who are plant-based, not plant-based, whoever could have it and be like, that's amazing. Do you think in terms of like, like these uh, meat alternatives? Yeah. Yes, they're plant-based. Are they, like, this thing, a lack of education for me is, are mm. they actually healthy? Because they have to put d- different things in there to make them taste really good. Yeah. And at scale, are they sustainable as well? So, I, I, again, I'm, I'm, it's not an area that I'm massively educated in. But. Such a good question, though. So when Greedy Vegan started, I was doing, like, a lot of these alternatives. Mm. And, again, it came from a lack of education for me because I wasn't actually consuming these either yeah. myself but I was still like delivering them and I kind of had this like it's, something just didn't really feel right I was like I'm not really being like it's, this is not authentic because I'm not eating these but I'm delivering them and I'm talking about them and I don't actually know whether they're good for you so then I kind of like stripped it back and only delivered like products that are have cleaner ingredients because there are some amazing products on the market yeah. and there are some not so good products on the market and whether they are healthier so I had Andy from this on the podcast Mm. and it was really fascinating because I kind of asked him this question and he said we're not like if you're comparing this bacon to bacon it's healthier but like we're not we shouldn't be compared to an aubergine because if you're gonna be like oh should I have avocado on toast today or a bacon sandwich like one of them's healthier than the other regardless of whether it's this bacon or normal bacon it's still bacon yeah so he said you know we are creating bacon and is bacon healthy no but if you look at the kind of bacon versus this bacon yes it's healthier Mm. because of just like the saturated fats and all of that and he was kind of going into like do you know what what went into that pig we don't know it's 100% bacon but what is made you know he kind of went into that side of things so I think yes, some of the products are definitely healthier. Like, but natural sources of alternative, like tofu and tempeh burgers that have like been marinated and stuff, and it's just tempeh, so it's like a natural yeah. kind of plant protein, but it's just been marinated and changed in a way to taste really different. Hey guys, a quick note on greedy vegan. 
If like Joe, you are also confused on what alternatives are better for you and which ones aren't, please check out Greedy Vegan as we only stock good quality alternatives with clean ingredients as we also believe and agree it's often really hard to know where to start. So we are trying to make it easier and more convenient for you. So check us out at www.greedyvegan.uk. I think it's going back to like the, the to that balance thing and I actually I messed up quite a, a couple of years ago. <clears throat> I got... On the side of our packaging, I got something called the balance board, mm. like printed on 25,000 boxes. And it was just a, it was a variation of exercises to burn off the equivalent calories in that cheesecake. Mm. And I, I put that on social media and I was like, this is a cool idea because in like balance, like yeah. balancing out your diet and whatever, thinking about like obesity and like making, encouraging people to be active. Yeah. And I started getting these messages from, from people saying, this is a trigger warning, a trigger warning, a trigger warning, a trigger warning. Um. And I was like, oh my God, what have I just done? Oh, what I just done and actually it's like a, it, it was I found out it's a trigger warning for people with eating disorders right and it kind of opened my eyes up to 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 categorizing food as good or bad you know I think that's yeah. again really really dangerous to put you, you can have a bacon sandwich whether it's plant-based or not yeah now and again yeah um but do you know, do you know what I mean definitely if you say it's, that's bad that's that that can be equally damaging yeah definitely it's so true and I think people do have this um skeptic they're very skeptical about plant-based alternatives and yeah. if they don't understand the ingredients they're not sure if it's better for them or not and I so get that and I don't believe that it's all good for you and if I also think that if you like bacon mm. and you like a bacon sandwich have a bacon sandwich yeah. like but then if you're not that bothered about beef just have some lentil bolognese instead of a beef bolognese you know that's kind of where the balance should come in like yeah. if you're like guilty pleasure is like a good juicy burger then life's too short to like not enjoy that yeah. like I think you should have that but then cut back on I don't know cheese or dairy or whatever yeah. else is balance yeah it's all about balance all so about I think balance. that's so key yeah um so my kind of I've got two final questions firstly is can you share your favorite or like most memorable please take highlight so far I don't know like I think the first year was really the, f- the first year had so many moments in it for us that were just would always stick in my mind you know it was the book deal straight away in right within three months it was then the, the, the making the cake for the queen it was then launched into selfridges it was like really these really exciting things that happened so I suppose there's no there's no specific one exact moment I think but there's been so many you know yeah. there's been so many and it's it continues you know like even just recently launched into co-op Getting a retail listing, like people think you just go into the supermarket and or pitch them and they get you get put on the shelves, you know. The process of getting a supermarket listing is so hard, it's so complex. To get shelf space is sometimes impossible. You know, you you've really gotta make the buyer or the or the retailer believe in the product enough for them to go through this admin process to to list it and train staff and print the tickets and distribute across their whole network you know it's that's that's very costly to them so and so you've got to build trust you've got to give them trust and listen it so they that was a massive moment for us getting a retail listing you know mm. i went through many presentations last year to to all of the retailers and to come out this this year and, and actually say that we've got a listing and we've got another one coming up as well in a few weeks time um is really exciting you know so these are big moments there's been many big moments you know so no I absolutely I think all of those moments are huge and like you've had so many that is it is really impressive and my final question I always ask on this podcast because I love it is what is your last meal so starter main course dessert what would your last meal be 
It's going to have to be something Italian based. Yes. So that's really hard, you know, because I'm is. a foodie. You know, as people have asked me this before, and it's, I just can't choose food, you know, like, oh, I don't know. Um, maybe a mixture of both. Maybe, maybe like a nice pasta to start. Yeah, because you can do but that. Not, but not like a heavy, like just a light pasta because it's a starter. Yeah. Roast dinner or something, like some sort of roast Ooh, dinner, some one. sort of like family, like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like something communal. Yeah. Something a bit hearty. Dessert. I'm not going to say cheesecake. You're not. No, I'm not going to say. I can't okay. say cheesecake. Yeah, okay. So I, we always we always try to interpret different desserts and flavors into our cheesecake. So okay. my go-to dessert is a sticky toffee pudding. Good one. Yeah, I love a sticky toffee pudding. Yeah, who doesn't? Now I'm going to have to go back and ask for more detail on the pasta because I need to know okay. what type of pasta and also what meat with the roast. I need details. Uh, like I again, like I'm going to go just because it's a start. I'm going to go fresh, like just to, like a fresh tomato pasta, not not yeah. chopped tomatoes, no. like fresh tomatoes garlic basil it's really simple fresh and simple really fresh and simple love it perfect and then for the roast what was the what what meat what meat yeah or if you're gonna have meat, I mean, you might just want all the trimmings and gravy. I mean, I can't. I, I don't know if I could do that. No, to be I don't some people I, have said that to me. I'm like, okay, you do you. Yeah, no. Um, probably, I'm into pork belly at the moment. Pork belly. Pork belly's good for me. That but, my mum. My mum would be there. Yeah, that. she is. Yeah. Really. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I love it. Well, Joe, thank you so much no for coming problem. on. Thank it's you been me. so great and interesting, and I can't wait to go into a co-op and see freeze cakes on the on the shelf. It's so exciting. So yeah, congratulations awesome. for that. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you are desperate to try freeze cakes, head to your local co-op and give it a try. If you do get your hands on it, please take a picture and tag please and ketchups in your kitchen as I would love to see it. Also, as always, if you could subscribe and follow to the podcast on your preferred platform, it makes such a difference to us and it really does help us get great guests on, which I am really excited to do. I would be so, so grateful. So thank you so much again and see you next week.